Hi, my name is Kirk Hamilton and this is the Staying Healthy Today Show and I'm doing one of my passions which is to interview people uh, that are researchers, physicians uh, in lifestyle medicine, integrative medicine, but it's a very special treat to travel to Honolulu, Hawaii to interview Dr. Bradley Wilcox. Bradley Wilcox is a geriatrician, he's a gerontologist, he's an MD internist, he's been trained in Toronto, he's been trained at uh, Mayo Clinic, he's been trained at Harvard I think. Um, and, and one of my great interests is, uh, is longevity medicine, but functional longevity, meaning I've always believed if you study the cultures that live the longest and then work backwards and try and take little pearls out of their way of living, that we can reduce the chronic diseases of aging, which is a real health concern because it's 86% of our enormous healthcare budget. So I got connected with Dr. Wilcox and his brother because of the Okinawa, they wrote the Okinawa program along with Dr. Suzuki. I believe it was in 2002 or something like that. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I read the book and it was fabulous because there was some science behind studying one of the most successful aging populations in the world, which has been, the Okinawa pro, pro, uh, study's been going on, centenarian study since 1976, correct? Yes. All right. So without me going on and on, that's my fascination of interest. And the real practical reason to do this is if we can again learn how to take what they do and apply it to busy western industrialized countries to reverse heart disease type 2 diabetes obesity alzheimer's that's what we need to do we have to find some way to do it so that's why i'm here to interview an expert who's given his life to doing that so give me a little bit about your background how you ended up being a physician and then moving to i don't know longevity medicine functional longevity medicine whatever you want to call it well, I was always kind of a sports fanatic when I was a kid, and as I got older and got interested in maintaining my health for longer, I got interested in medicine and ended up going to medical school at the University of Toronto, uh, and that was in 1992. And uh, at that point, I got very interested. I had been reading about healthy aging and longevity a little bit in uh, Japan and. I had been to Japan to do uh, a visiting year before medical school and I got very interested in the Japanese health and longevity and realized that they were the longest lived people in the world and even before that I had read about healthy Japanese in Hawaii. Uh, so I had always in the back of my mind been interested in this uh, health and longevity phenomenon in Japan. When I was a medical student I began a project with Dr. David Jenkins and we were looking at uh, uh, prostate health in men, diet and uh, its influence on uh, prostate health and I had known uh, as part of my background research for this project that Japanese men had an 80% lower risk for prostate cancer than uh, men in North America and I almost unbelievable statistic and so I started this study with Dr. Jenkins and my twin brother, Dr. Craig Wilcox, who was a uh, PhD student at the time, uh, or actually a graduate student moving on to his doctoral studies. And, uh, and so uh, when we started doing this comparative study between uh, Japanese Canadians in Toronto, where mm -hmm. I was going to medical school, with Japanese in Japan, um, one of the study subjects ended up being uh, an Okinawan Japanese who I couldn't believe uh, how healthy he was. And in fact, I was always trying to get him into our study. Uh, 
because I, I learned he was really, really old. In fact, he was the oldest man in Ontario, Canada, 105 years old. And so I thought, wow, we can have a real range of ages in this study if we get a 105-year-old in here. So, uh, but it was really difficult to recruit this guy because he was always so active. And I'd call up his wife, who was a 90-something-year-old, <laughs> and she'd say, oh, he's not here. And I'd think, oh, what, what's wrong with him? Is he, you know, is he okay? And she'd, oh, he's just out fishing. Don't worry. So uh, eventually... Um, I learned that he was actually an Okinawan Japanese, so I started to understand a little bit about the differences between Okinawans and other Japanese, and I had realized uh, from some work that I did as a graduate student that there had been a couple studies in Okinawa about their healthy diet and the longevity, but there wasn't a lot known about it, so I got very intrigued by this, and my brother and I planned uh, with uh, Dr. Jenkins to do this mm -hmm. research exchange over to Okinawa to find out more about this phenomenon. And what year ballpark were you? That was in the early 1990s, about 1994. So uh, I had been to Okinawa once before that when I was in Kyushu in western Japan doing a little bit of work uh, on this prostate study. Uh, and then uh, so the following summer, I got a research grant. You know, we get summer time off to do mm -hmm. summer research and, at our medical school. So that's when I planned the study with Dr. Suzuki, my brother, and went over there and met Dr. Suzuki. And his, that was ongoing. If you were in 1994, mm -hmm. his was 1976. Didn't the Okinawa Centenary Program start in 1976? Can you explain a little bit about what that is or why they did it? Yes, Dr. Suzuki was uh, and still is a cardiologist and a geriatrician who came from Tokyo. And when Okinawa reverted back to um, Japanese control from U.S. control in 1972, they didn't have very many doctors. And so he came over there to help with rural health and um, be one of the physicians to help give health care to Okinawans. And at, he noticed when he, he was examining uh, the elderly that they were really extraordinarily healthy. And he got very uh, interested in, in uh, the differences between the Okinawans and other Japanese and why they might be so healthy and what were the numbers of exceptionally old people. And, um, and so he began... Uh, uh, depends on how, what, what day you ask Dr. Suzuki, if it was 1975 <laughs> or 1976, uh, but it was in that time period. And so you already had Japan having longevity and, I mean, a, a good longevity, but the Okinawans were another level ab above, quote, if you want to put it right. that way. They were the healthiest of the Japanese. Mm -hmm. There's 47 prefectures or mm -hmm. states in Japan. And they were the, the healthiest. In fact, there's a northeast to southwest gradient in health and longevity in Japan where those in the northeast who eat a lot of salt in their diet and uh, have a lot of hypertension and strokes, they're the least healthy. And as you go southwest where people eat more fresh vegetables and have, uh, by the time you're in the southwestern most prefecture, Okinawa, they have two growing seasons, a lot of fresh vegetables and and healthy food and not much salt in the diet and they live the longest. So they have, uh, um, and they've been known to live the longest in Japan. We did a, 
uh, epidemiological study where we looked at all the demographic and epidemiological data on longevity going back to the 1880s, and they'd always reported a higher prevalence of long-lived people, centenarians, nonagenarians, octogenarians. Even pre-war. Pre-war, yes. Pre-World War II. Yes. And I have to put that in context because mm -hmm. uh, in Japan did not become the world's longest-lived country until uh, uh, around the 1970s, uh, early, early 80s, when they passed the Nordic countries, Sweden in particular, and Norway, uh, because the Japan in general had a higher stroke rate. Uh, you know, hypertension mm -hmm. was not very well controlled, a lot of salt in the diet, uh, and they didn't have a really good public health system until after the, the Second World War. So if you look at uh, Okinawans and other Japanese as a longevity uh, population, they, it wasn't until they got really good health care that they were able to eliminate the main causes of death, which were infectious diseases like tuberculosis, GI parasites, etc., uh, and then really remarkably reduce the stroke rate because of good public health. And so the underlying healthy habits that they had, healthy diet, physical activity, those things really, uh, once you get a level playing field right. you know, between uh, countries, I think that's what becomes important. But if you have a country that's full of tuberculosis or infectious diseases, high infant mortality, you're just well, not going to get longevity in the country in general. I could, I could talk to you for days, but for the people that are watching or listening, I'd like to get to some meat and potatoes as a <laughs> as kind of a curveball way of saying it. I want some sweet potatoes. <laughs> sweet potatoes. That's what the sweet potatoes. That's what I was going to say. But so I, when I think of Okinawa, so I think of maybe the pre-war Okinawa, mm -hmm. the elders, and then the elders now who may be living a little bit different than the pre-war Okinawan, uh, Okinawans. And then you have the modern-day young Okinawans who are doing everything wrong. And I always showed the video of the, you know, the highest rate of the per capita, the most fast food restaurants in all of Japan, et cetera. So is, is that correct? Like, because I think of sooner or later the elders are going to die out. Mm -hmm. And there's... If the, you know the younger generations aren't paying attention or not doing this, so but was the uh, you know original Okinawan diet of the elders and then the diet now of the elders? Can you compare those two? Is there a way to compare the differences? And then we'll talk about the other part of Okinawa. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Okinawa, I mean, what you bring up, I think, is a really important point about cohort effects. In other words, you know, people that are born in certain birth cohorts, they go through life and they experience you know what certain eating habits physical activity you know health care systems etc and those that were born in before world war ii in okinawa generally in the you know the first few cohorts of the of the 20th century they had a really healthy diet and so they came along at just the right time because they you know, most of them survived to middle age, and then they got good health care, and th that those underlying fundamental healthy living habits really propelled them to the top of the longevity charts in the world. Mm -hmm. And what you see now in Okinawa is that Okinawa still has the longest, the, the elders in Okinawa uh, still have the longest life expectancy in Japan, which is the world's longest lived country, but uh, as you go down in generations, 
the life expectancy versus other prefectures in Japan, the rank drops. So if you look at life expectancy at birth, for example, now, um, the women are somewhere around number four. Okay, they used to be number one for years. Men were number one for years at birth because they had good health care, they had healthy habits, um, they were physically active. Um, but now the younger generations, as you mentioned, they're getting more obese, they're not practicing, uh, they're drinking and smoking too much, and they're, you know, so they're dropping relative. Mm -hmm. They had something in Japan called the 26 shock, where men went from number one to number 26 in terms of life expectancy within the 47 prefectures. Doesn't mean their life expectancy was dropping. It was, it was just rising much more slowly and other prefectures were taken off. So, so the bottom line is the elders right now, anyone over the age of 65 in Japan, they're still the, they still have the longest remaining life expectancy in Japan. It's a very healthy cohort. Mm -hmm. You go to middle age, age 50, women are still number one. Men are about in the middle of the pack. You go to the young people, uh, then you're talking, <laughs> the, you know, the men are still sort of middling to, uh, you know, and, and, and no longer do they have the, the most uh, optimistic chances for longevity. So tell me the difference, if you can, between, let's say there's an elder now in their 70s, 80s, or 90s. What's the difference between their diet now and, let's say, 40 years ago, the elders? Or has it changed much? They still kind of do the same thing? In other words, do they go from brown rice to white rice, or whatever? You know, those things, but they're still going to live a long time. I'm trying to get the difference oh, I see, in yeah. I mean, I would, I would say, like, pre-1960, the diet in, uh, for, for most folks, the elders now, you know, when they were, you know, at 40 or so, or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, they ate largely a plant-based diet. So what you saw was about 80% of the calories were from carbohydrates, you know, 5 to 10% from fat and, you know, the similar protein. So, so let me hold you there yeah. just for a second because yeah. it's something that comes up all the time in the West. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So obviously those are not processed carbohydrates. Right. Okay. But they're still carbohydrates. So mm -hmm. in the West, and I'm talking about where patients come in every day, a carbohydrate is an evil food for 90% <laughs> of people. Funny how that happened. And, 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 and so obviously everybody agrees sugar and processed foods aren't good no matter what side of the aisle that you're on. Can you describe the good carbohydrates that the elders were eating traditionally or still do? In general... They had uh, carbohydrates that were a low glycemic index, uh, you know, low, glu you know, glycemic load. In other words, they were, uh, mm -hmm. the majority of those foods were vegetables and root vegetables mainly, potatoes, sweet potatoes. Right, the sweet potatoes. Not potato. Irish russet white potatoes, but sweet potatoes, which are very different from white potatoes. And they came in a variety of colors, mm -hmm. purple, you know, orange. Uh, Still very brown. popular food in the elders? Or no. Popular, but not as popular. Right. You still see the sweet potato trucks come around in the neighborhood, mm -hmm. and everybody wants one. And they're actually very. Uh, the first time I was in 
Okinawa, I heard music, and I thought it was an ice cream <laughs> truck. <laughs> I'm like, well, well, let's go see what Japanese would, ice cream looks like. I would love to see that in a park <laughs> of the, in, I say the western United States, you know, so it's, and then it comes out with sweet potatoes. That would just... Oh, uh, yeah, I, I went out there. I said, so you have ice cream trucks here. <laughs> no, it was a sweet potato truck. So trucks. what have they, the elders replaced that starch with now? Let's say it's not much sweet potatoes. Is it the white rice, the brown rice, or is it, you know, beans? A, a bean is a, a, a starch. So what is it now? Generally, it's uh, white bread and white rice. So the car uh, the carbohydrates are changing, uh, and you know we we talk about in Okinawa and in, even in, in in Japan the Americanization of the diet. But it wasn't just in Okinawa. It wasn't just the Americanization of the diet, bringing in Western you know white bread and milk. Mm -hmm. It was Japanization. In other words. The main carbohydrate was the sweet potato. That was more than 60% of the calories. In Okinawa? Or in Okinawa. Yeah, right. The rest of Japan, the main carbohydrate it was, was white rice. rice. Right. So you're talking about a, white rice has the same glycemic index as, as sugar. Mm -hmm. you know. But uh, they still had longevity in, in general, right? Yeah, because with the white rice, they ate lots of good vegetables. Right. right. So, so I want to make that point. That's, <laughs> I got so, it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's about balance. And Okinawans uh -huh. just had a better balance than... Uh -huh. than than other Japanese. And so, you know, the typical meal, say you have, you know, for breakfast, they might have miso soup. Okay, uh -huh. so, you know, a soybean paste, uh, and the miso in, in Okinawa was, was less salty than the miso in the rest of Japan. Mm -hmm. So you're talking kind of like a low sodium miso with uh, vegetables in the miso soup and chunks of Okinawan tofu, which was a very healthy tofu. Um, uh, Always fresh. You could the the number two uh, number one occupation of a woman in the old days was a farmer. Number two was a tofu maker, and they would you still see it. <laughs> so I got to throw this question out here because there's another you know inflammatory thing from the West. So obviously farming GMO. The, the I have patients walk in every single day mm -hmm. and go, how can you eat tofu? Every every soy product is a, a GMO you know, processed tofu product. And, and I go, well, first of all, I can buy it organic anywhere. So, so the tofu of the, where, and I think I heard on one of your videos with your brother was cooking, he said that there was more tofu consumed, soy products consumed in Okinawa and probably anywhere, maybe in Japan or the world. It was, it was, he, just, he was cooking and he just made that statement. Mm -hmm. So there's a fair amount of tofu eaten in Okinawa, or was. Yeah, it was uh, about... Uh, in terms, it's a low-calorie food, obviously, right. and it, I mean, there's obviously fat and tofu and protein, but in, in general, it's not that that many calories. There's a lot of water in it too. But, but I guess everything was, was an organic farm, kind of, sort of. If, if you, yeah, kind you know, of, you know it, what I mean. If it, they were making it in general, right. although you know, I understand the concern that people have with uh, with GMO, but also there's been a lot of there was a huge study that was done recently that showed basically no deleterious consequences of GMO foods. Not, not. I mean, I don't want to wade into that right. sort of controversy, but yeah, in those days, there was, there was not, not much G GMO. My, my point is this, is that it is, I, it is the one of the, I work in an integrated medicine practice. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many people come in with yeah. a, you know, like a, a cross, like an exorcism, if, you're, <laughs> if, if there's tofu. And I'm serious. And, and, I, and I understand, you know, soy products being modified to feed cows and make oils and do all this kind of stuff. I'm just talking about like edamame, tofu, mm -hmm. miso. Those are health foods, correct, in your opinion, yes. or am I putting words in your mouth? No, no, absolutely. I mean, I, 
my kids, they they love edamame. You know, those mm -hmm. are, and we eat a lot of soy foods. So it might be safe to say that if it's good enough for the, I always say this, I go, there's either something very protective in the diet that protects against all the evils of tofu or soy products. If it's so harmful, you know, shrink your brain, shrink your genitals, shrink whatever, <laughs> you know what I mean? So the, the elders still consume tofu or is it? Oh, a lot. A yeah. lot. Okay. I mean, everybody has, there's still a lot of tofu. Right. So that was one, no. it's kind of a myth. And I just, you know, I just want people not to be afraid of that. And all right, so let's stay with the carbs for a second, because that's the other really, and I get the white rice thing on top of a bad diet. But white rice on top of a regular diet, I don't know. I mean, in a Japanese diet, they still had less disease than we did. So, mm -hmm. again, the other starches, you said, now, are the elders eating white bread now and white rice more? More than they did. Right. But it. if you look at, uh, you know, you think about what National Cholesterol Education Program diet, step one, step two, mm -hmm. right? Step two being the most sort of severe, less than 7% um, of your diet, if I remember the numbers, is saturated fat and um, less than 30% of your diet as fat. I mean, I know we're getting away from sort mm -hmm. of the strict limits on fat because we know there's good fats and bad mm -hmm. fats. Which we're going to talk about because that's a huge other topic. Yeah. But if, if you run the numbers, even, even today, so the, the diet went from, say, I, I like to hear, uh, if I make a simple summary of the Okinawan diet in the old days, it was about 80% carbohydrate, 10% protein, 10% fat. You know, you can now, argue... That was from fish? Or did they use an added oil? I'm just curious. Cause there, I, the oil that, you know... Or was it, it lard? Wasn't it, 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 pig, it Yeah, it was pig, pig fat. fat. Right. Because originally, originally. Way, way, way back in the yeah, day. Because they didn't have any other oils. And if they didn't have that, they'd be deficient in essential fatty acids. So, so did they shift so did they shift to other added oils that they cook with? Yes. They shifted to uh basically a canola uh uh soy um oil kind of blend. Mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty high in monounsaturated fats and so here's another like a commercial oil. Right. So but, but a reasonably healthy one. So cuz I, I I've also mm -hmm. come from the the <laughs> I, I, Dr. Caldwell Esseltine, I know very well, and um, he's shown you can reverse heart disease with a zero added oil diet. Okay, it's, it, it can be in sometimes flax. So my question is, on a regular basis, if I went as an, in an elder's home for a month, um, let's say in the last 20 years, are they stir frying with oil every day? First, you'd have to learn to sit cross-legged. <laughs> I've tried so hard, but uh, let's not let's not push it. I've tried. I, I would go into the elders' homes, and I, you know, I'm talking like a centenarian, and I, I'd, I'd sit down there, and, I'd, and even though I'm I'm reasonably flexible, and they'd, say, are you okay? Can you can you sit on the floor? And they're 100 years old. They're talking to me and asking me if I'm okay sitting. Which, and they're uh, looking so, great. So now I'm going to digress to an exercise thing. I've always shared with people, if a 100-year-old can get up and down from a, a tatami mat, or yes. a, I don't know how many times a day. Lots. I can't get my patients out of a chair. I, I, I tell them when they're every advertisement to get up and down from a chair. Yeah. And, then I, and then I say, you know, the centenarians, I mean, they're getting up and down from cross-legged position. I mean, that's amazing to me in strength work and balance work and... Etc. Think what that does to your legs. I don't want to run away from the oil because yeah. oil is one of the the mm -hmm. the, the most intense topics. Mm -hmm. And so the centenarians use so when they they stir fry tofu or they stir fry vegetables, mm -hmm. right? But they're not. I mean, they pour gallons of oil, or I mean, they're, they're no, a lot of no. I mean, 
So in the old days, we're talking that the diet may be as low as the, the data that we ran for uh, the diet around 1950, traditional mm -hmm. diet, was about 6%, pretty low, you know. And nowadays... total fat? Total fat. That's low. That's low, yeah. And, you know, the, you have to sort of, with these dietary surveys, you have to sort of give a, a, a range, I think, uh, of, of uh, where it could, you know, be five, I, so you could say maybe five to 10%. Right. It's still very but that, low. That's still very low because I'm, I'm bringing that up and because a lot of- And now it's about 30% in the elders. Aha, uh -huh, so that's a big jump because a lot of the- But it's still good fat. Okay, so <laughs> some of the, the heart reversal people uh, and the more some of the plant-based people, they don't add oil. So mm -hmm. they might, some get it from nuts and seeds, some mm -hmm. don't, some from flax. So the, the centenarians, I'm centenarians, but the elders had a very low fat diet originally. Yeah, and, and it was and now up to thirty percent. Now, right. are they still getting the same longevity? The same? I, I know it's hard to do say that, but and the less, the least, you know, reduced heart disease risk, reduced Alzheimer's disease risk. There, yeah, there. Do you think that might fade with going away from that original? Well, they've down? been into that kind of. Uh, you know, it's gradually gone up, uh -huh. but we're talking a couple of decades of data now, and there's no no change really. There's still, if you look at anybody. Uh, over the, if we're talking real elder, you want to look at 85-year-olds who've mm -hmm. probably been eating this way for 20 years. Uh, yeah, okay. on every single measure of every chronic disease, they're lower than the Japanese, the other Japanese, right. who are lower than us. So, so it, I'd say you, they're doing pretty well. It would be safe to paraphrase, because this is a real controversy mm -hmm. oil. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a huge one. I mean, everybody knows about fish oil, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, whether you add oils or not. So, they're not eating processed foods either early cohort or, or later cohort, they don't eat processed foods too much besides spam or, you know, that's the other thing. I want to get into spam and pork and how much do they eat. And yeah, I mean, generally the, uh, the, the, the kind of meals that they eat, uh, it, I'll just give you, a, this is a real quick example of old days, modern days. So old days, miso soup, side of sweet potatoes, that's breakfast. Lunch, maybe stir fry, uh, tofu and bitter melon. Mm -hmm. Side of sweet potatoes. Dinner, uh, you know, we're not, now we're talking another vegetable heavy dish. Side of sweet potatoes. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of get the... Right, so that's old, old, old yeah, school. Yeah, I met a 90-year-old the first time I was in Okinawa, and I couldn't speak much Japanese, but my twin brother could. And I said, ask her what she ate when she was young. And, and she, uh, so he goes, Oba-chan, wakai no hito. Nani tabeta, you know, well, what did you eat when you were a young person? And then she scratches her head, thinks about it, and, and then she goes, Imo. I said, potato. did she just say sweet potato? Yeah, she said sweet potato. And I said, ask her what else she ate. And he scratches her head, but she goes, Imo bakari. I eat nothing but sweet potatoes. Right. So in her mind, when she was a kid, and growing up. Because they're so poor and They were hard poor life. and they had sweet potatoes for breakfast, sweet potatoes for lunch, sweet that was their bread. Mm -hmm. That was their rice. But it's a very, very healthy carbohydrate and full of right. the vitamins and minerals that we need and active plant compounds. So that I know I'm interrupting, but I, I mm. the, the you know, the oil thing gets I want to stay with okay, that for a second. Back to the so, oil. So, they, so now more in the elders, in the elders diet, they, they're adding uh, the monounsaturated, the, the mm -hmm. soybean oil and the, and the um, canola oil. Now, how much omega-3 do they get 
there's some in those or mixes, but I mean, mm -hmm. mostly do the, are they eating fish every day? I mean, where? Generally, where at least in small amounts. So, so it, in general, if you look at the types of fat, about half, uh, a quarter of the, the fat is probably, at least in the old days, was monounsaturated, a quarter saturated, and the other half uh, polyunsaturated, but at least a good chunk of that was omega-3 right. type. So that they had, uh, it, it, we, we ran the numbers uh, a few years ago, and they had uh, a very nice ratio of, uh, of omega-3 in their diet, in other words, a lot. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, and you could see it in 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 their uh, their the the lack of inflammation in the blood, very anti right. low C-reactive protein. Very you didn't ever measure the fatty acids in the blood, did you? Mm-hmm. Oh, we did. Yeah, I got those numbers somewhere. Oh, yeah. Don't put me on the spot. The no, no, exact I, I number, won't, though. I won't. But I, I have to like because I like to run an omega omega check. It's called omega check from oh. the Cleveland Heart Lab, and and so they oh, yeah. they have this, happy to send you the numbers. They have this goal of omega threes to go through, but I'm, I'd be very curious. If well, I get off the topic here, but if you have to have preformed omega-3 EPA and DHA or alpha linolenic acid, which can come from flax or certain soy, or, right? Yeah. Does it get converted upline, oh, or I, are yeah, they right. getting it from fish that they eat? Both. So, how much fish does an, an elder, the the traditional elder, eat? in the old days, it was about 15 grams a day versus. So they had a little bit of fish every day. On average, yeah. Uh -huh. they, they typically you'd you'd have it. Uh, a little bit of fish in the miso I've seen, soup. I've seen the little it, plate where they have the, like that lunch plate that's on one of the videos. It looks like a little sardine or something. Yes, it doesn't yes. look. Yeah, right. it's called scugarasu. Yeah, and mm -hmm. they come to basically be born in Okinawa uh, just for a few days a year, and then they preserve them all. So they year. have the little bit of fish product almost every. Right, and they eat. They still. I mean, for dinner, uh, they they probably eat a lot actually more, more fish now than mm -hmm. they did it well they do i know they do we've seen the uh -huh. numbers so in, in the old days the traditional diet uh it varied of course if you were out in, uh, on an you know okinawa has uh, ha uh gosh about 161 islands about 40 or so some out of them are inhabited there's one main island uh and if you're near the ocean you're going to be eating more than if you're inland right. Mm -hmm. Simply because you know they didn't have good transportation in the old, but now everybody eats a lot of more fish. So that's probably mitigated some of the deleterious changes in the diet. Um, so um, I think it's kind of it would have been interesting to see the fatty acid profiles in the fifties of, of the people that are living a long time, right. and the fatty acid profiles now, and the people eighty, ninety, one hundred. I'd love to see the hundred-year-old fatty acid profiles. That would I mean, I'd love that. So they eat more. Probably they had more. So we can make a statement that they don't have processed foods too much. The elders, I'm talking. I'm not talking about the young kids. Or yeah, are it, they eating more processed food now? Yeah, define processed. Well, processed would be you added ingredients. So and, and they're more refinement of the grain. But their 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 grain is. I mean, what is their grain? I mean, it's rice generally. Or do they eat other grains? Do they eat any other wheat noodles or? They eat uh, some millet and millet. Yeah, and but, in the old days, the the grains that when they did eat grains for usually if there was white rice it was mixed in with millet and, mm -hmm. and brown rice so yeah they but uh, again the uh these days the uh the diet is more uh again the breakfast is about the same miso soup and you know now it's uh, they might have a uh, li little bit more fish uh and probably uh 
definitely less sweet potato and maybe more white rice. Right. So it's, you know, if you if you consider it, and it's higher in protein, it's, uh, like I said, in the old days, it was about 9, 10%. Now it's closer to 18, 19, 20%. So the protein percentage of the diet has almost doubled. Now, would you say that that's an advantage I think in longevity? For older folks, it is. I think that your protein needs change as, mm -hmm. as, as you age. And as you get older, you have higher protein requirements. So I, I, I think if you're, you're a, uh, and I'm, we've seen this in the animal data too. Um, we published a paper recently called the Okinawan Ratio, where if you look at um, animal models, they do really well for longevity if they have a low protein diet when they're young and middle-aged, and then you switch them to a higher protein diet at older age, it gives them an extra. Well, the animals. The animals. And that's kind of what the older cohort of Okinawans has done. They started off very low protein, right. and as they aged, protein content went up. And up. that protein content comes from what? A little more f fish, fish and yeah, healthy sources. Right. Yeah, they're okay. not eating burgers. No, I get that. They're not. <laughs> I get that part. All right. Um, and you know, they eat more pork than they used to in the mm -hmm. old days. You know, and it's um, so. But again, we're not talking like it all all spam or anything like that. Um, how about so? How much meat do they eat at an average meal? Is it every day, or is you know you said there's a little bit of fish product every day? Yeah, I would say speaking. there's there's some meat every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the form of what? Fish, pork. Um, those are the main sources. Right. So pork's still the main source. Yeah, I mean in the old days the pork was very small in the diet. They might have they might have had three, four grams a day because they were very poor. And, you know, pork was a more of a celebration delicacy mm -hmm. food. It wasn't a, uh, a daily thing uh, simply because they, were, they, they said uh, in the beginning of the year it was traditional to slaughter a pig. And then they said they ate it from voice to tail. <laughs> so, you know, they were very frugal. Right. Like any, any yeah. indigenous, I mean, any longevity culture mm -hmm. they usually when they kill their animal it's for celebration or something like yes. that but they there's nothing wasted right but now i mean you see now that the there's access to all of these foods because they're much wealthier that's where you see the change in in the the young folks and even the middle-aged folks but the elders have been much more slow to change because you develop your tastes right when you're young and and you're not going to switch wholesale. so so Will they die out? I mean, in other words, do you see Okinawa 50 years from now as somehow maintaining or somebody, the younger culture generation learns to live the old ways? I mean, or do you just see it as a chronic disease mess? There is a big movement uh, towards health prevention all across J Japan um, and in Okinawa in particular. And they talk about the old ways and bringing back the old ways. And there's committees, government committees. My brother's on one, mm -hmm. uh, where the the scientists are working with the politicians and public health organizations. Bringing back the old ways. Yes. Give me five old way things. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean, uh, they say bring back the old ways. I've been trying to tease them out, but sure. Well, what would be what the the biggest old way thing would be to eat more sweet potatoes. Uh, another. Uh, old way thing I think is to eat more of the traditional vegetables like bitter melon. Uh, they used to eat a lot of seaweed in the old days. That's another I, now when I interviewed one. your brother he said almost 
the one, you know, I was trying to pick out, you know, what does some, you know, what does an Okinawan do every day? And, he, and the one thing he said is that some shape or form they have some, they have seaweed every day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, oh, yeah. that that's just. Yeah, it's always in the miso soup. Right. And then they have uh, other types of uh, seaweed, like called mozoku, that are more just eaten like, like it is, uh -huh. you know. So we got the old ways, mm -hmm. more sweet potato, mm -hmm. seaweed. Yeah. What else would you throw in there? I would definitely throw in fish. Fish was a regular right. part of the diet. Um, root veg, uh, well, green and yellow vegetables. Right. Yeah. And I, they also had uh, a tremendous variety of uh, spices and um, um, different types of, how shall I say, uh, garnishes that were uh, made of medicinal plants so you know turmeric on the food mm -hmm. and uh, mugwort and uh i heard that they season different they yeah the okinawans season differently than other parts of japan is yes. that is that correct yeah i mean you call it you can call their food japanese with salsa it's definitely more vibrant a lot uh -huh. of people uh i think when they eat japanese food they find it very bland mm -hmm. you know there's Raw fish. I got so excited asking questions. <laughs> We're talking to <laughs> Dr. Bradley Wilcox, uh, internist, geriatrician at the University of, we're sitting here in the, in the University of Hawaii. Um, and I just, so he's co-principal investigator with your brother now. You became the co-principal investigators um, of the, the Okinawan centenarian study. And then there was another st mm -hmm. study, um, the Hawaiian Health Lifespan Study that it was, I forget the name of it. Are, with, are you, we're, yes, we're also actively involved with the Kuakini Honolulu Heart Program, which has spawned lots of uh, longevity-related studies, like the Hawaii Lifespan Study and the Hawaii Healthspan Study. Now, that's not related at all to the Okinawa. Well, it is and it isn't, because the, this, uh, all these studies were spawned from this original cohort of 8,006 American men of Japanese and Okinawan ancestry that were born in Hawaii. Well, most were born in Hawaii. 12% were born in somewhere in Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, but they were all Americans of Japanese ancestry living on Oahu, the main island in Hawaii. Um, and they were middle-aged men, and they volunteered for a study of cardiovascular diseases where we compared uh, Japanese in Japan to uh, to second-generation Japanese here to third-generation in San Francisco. It's called the Nihon San Study. Mm -hmm. Nippon, Japan, Han, Honolulu, San, San Francisco. And the reason for that is that uh, it was noticed by epidemiologists and demographers that in Japan they had a lot of stroke, but not much heart disease. Yet, but Americans have a lot of heart disease, but not much stroke. Comparatively. You mean the Japanese or Okinawan or just, just in All general? All Americans. Just in general, right. So then it, uh, scientists got the, the idea that, well, maybe we should follow immigrant Japanese populations and see if their, uh, the epidemiology of theirs, if it flips. And sure enough, it did. By the time these Japanese were third generation, they were getting uh, a lot less stroke and a lot more heart disease. They were taking on American. Mm -hmm. uh, and they got less heart disease because we're better controlling Hyper I mean, excuse me, they got less stroke because we're controlling hypertension a little bit better or they're using less salt? Is that the theory? theory? I think mainly the, because of the dietary difference, using a heck of a lot less salt in the diet and, mm -hmm. and um, 
so that study started in 1965 uh, with our cohort, and it's gone on till we followed those men even till today. And the youngest one is 95, the oldest is 106. So it's become a longevity study, uh -huh. and we've uh, we know a lot about these men. We've got. Uh, a biorepository of 420,000 biological well, samples. We've studied these people really well. So we can look at the Okinawans in that cohort and the other Japanese and look at differences with them as well. well let's, so let's, we do let's make jump comparative then, studies. Because I always want to make this like somebody can take home some meat from this. So reversing heart or, disease. Or sweet potatoes. Yeah, sweet, well, no, I'm, I, now it's, you know. Or tofu. <laughs> <laughs> my buddies will say, see, they eat pork every day. I told you so. <laughs> so I know he's one guy's laughing right now. Um, so heart disease. So I know the work of Ornish and Esselstyn. Mm -hmm. It can be reversed. Now, Ornish uses a little bit of a fish oil in his, but otherwise it's a low-fat vegan diet, about 10%. Well, 10% or so. And then Dr. Esselstyn, who I've, I've visited and know, um, it's no added oils. He believes oils injures the endothelium. Any added oils. So, obviously, the Okinawans are living, I mean, they must have some heart disease, but they're living a long time without dying of heart disease and, mm -hmm. and Alzheimer's and stuff. So, how would you, um, you know, you taught five or six things to prevent heart disease. That means it, it, it's a lifestyle disease. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the numbers in Okinawa, there's uh, 90 percent less heart disease. That's almost, I mean, if you could invent a drug that gave you 90 percent less risk for heart disease, you'd be the richest man in the world. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and it's clear that younger Okinawans are now, uh, who have a, a rather unhealthy lifestyle, are getting heart disease. Right. Same genes, same location. So same. I always bring that up. Exactly. I show those two videos side by side. Exactly. Yeah, you got it. And so, uh, I mean, Obviously, one thing I think is to have a very plant-heavy diet. Mm -hmm. Another thing is to have a, a lot of omega-3 in your diet. So if you weren't, so if you're going to get it, so fish would be one preformed mm -hmm. in fish. Mm -hmm. Where else would you get it if it wasn't fish? Well, they get it also in tofu. Tofu is another, uh, I would say, very heart-healthy food mm -hmm. uh, because of the healthy oils as well as uh, you know the the phytoactive compounds in tofu. So where else would they get their omega-3? Um, they get it from other sea creatures that they eat. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know your mentor, so he, David Jenkins wrote the foreword in my book, and one of the things he said in there, I mean, you know, side, he's a, you know, a vegan guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> vegan guy. But one of his concerns is wiping out fish shock. So let's say, we, we assume it makes sense, fish has, makes those, has those benefits in omega-3 mm -hmm. fats. If the world I'm, now I'm jumping, mm -hmm. but it, it's it's reality. What happens to the, if everybody starts eating fish, not like a little bit sprinkled on, but a big slab of X, Y, and Z? I think we just have to have fewer people in this world. <laughs> <laughs> he still wants his fish. <laughs> I still want my fish. <laughs> All right, I'll have to bring the, the, the high-powered David Jenkins in to, to fight with you. <laughs> All right, so heart disease, what else? What other pearls? You'd get the omega-3s from those variety of mm -hmm. sources. What else would you do? Well, I think you'd have to be physically active. Mm -hmm. I think exercise is a huge factor. Uh, the Okinawans are always very active. Mm -hmm. Most of them were farmers or fisher folk, or um, they walked a lot. Right. You know, miles a day. And 
So I think that's very, very important. Um, what else in their diet well, for, to prevent heart disease? We got the omega-3 fats. What else would you have? What, I mean, what kind of... Green and yellow vegetables, green I think, are vegetables. really important. Okay, so now yeah. we got you got a, a nice paleo diet going here. You got, you've got <laughs> oh, I think we got a nice Okanawan diet. No, wait, wait, wait. You got the fish. You got the you got the the fish and the and the vegetables. So, what kind of carbohydrate are going? Is this still going to be the majority of calories? Yes. All right, and what would that come in the shape of if you were t well your own family? Well, we have a kind of a an east west blend mm -hmm. diet where um, in the morning. Typically, we'll have some, maybe some Greek yogurt mm -hmm. with uh, blueberries and other uh, really phytonutrient-rich mm -hmm. fruit. Um, and then for lunch, typically I have uh, some kind of healthy vegetable-heavy lunch, maybe stir-fried with, uh, uh, and then for dinner. Uh, I might have some fish mm -hmm. or something similar to that. So it's it's a fairly simple diet, very influenced by what I've learned in Japan and Okinawa in Perfect general. segue to one thing I left out. All right. So dairy food is like gospel in this country. I mean, you know, so <laughs> when I say get off dairy foods, the people are like freak out. So how much dairy foods do the Okinawans eat, the traditional diet, and what did they, are they shifting now? Not, not the young people are not eating a good diet, but the elders, are they shifting to having more dairy now? Yes, they are. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's like the rest of Japan. You know, right. um, people are now drinking milk and eating ice cream, and you know, obviously there's a higher uh, rate of lactose intolerance there, so there's mm -hmm. limits to what some people can do. Uh, but in the old days, you know, they did, I mean, they weren't generally raising cows. Uh, they might have a bit of, they had goats, they had, uh -huh. so they had a little bit of goat meat in their diet and some, maybe some goat milk, but right. in general, they, there wasn't much dairy going on in, in the old days. And did those elders, how, I mean, how were their bones? Let's just cut to the chase. I mean, you know, I mean, osteoporosis is a multifactorial mm -hmm. thing, but the solution, you know, sometimes gets presented, eat more dairy, eat more dairy, eat more dairy. Right. I mean, you got a double-edged kind of sword there because if you're eating uh, too much protein, then you can leach calcium out of your bones. Uh, but their bones are very strong. So they, but think about what they did all their lives. They were physically active. They built muscle. Mm -hmm. So they, they, they strengthened their bones. Uh, but they did it without much dairy in the olden days. Exactly. I, put, I don't yeah. want to put words in your mouth. No, that's true. And then... I mean, think about some of the other compound, you know, uh, dietary estrogens from the tofu that mm -hmm. they ate. Uh, there's certainly been some evidence that that impacts bone health in, in a positive way. Um, and so when uh, when you put the pieces together, you know, they didn't have to have dairy to, you know, to, to build strong bones. We did comparative studies between bone health in... Uh, Japan, or Okinawans and other Japanese, and they tended to have higher bone density in Okinawa than in other parts of Japan. Uh, but, you know, anytime you've got an elderly population, that's something to think about. Right. Let's um, wrap it up with, because um, I went over the map because I love asking questions about <laughs> <laughs> longevity cultures, um, Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. So um, probably the greatest fear of my patients, you know, I think there's a way out to heart disease. Alzheimer's still people are very afraid of, and yet 
the elders in Okinawa don't get much Alzheimer's. Are, are they getting more? Definitely than, lower than, right. they, they have, uh, that's an area that, that we're studying uh, mm -hmm. right now, and they tend to be cognitively healthier. For um, longer. Yes, for longer. And um, there's less Alzheimer's disease overall in, in Okinawa than, than in the West, um, the, and less dementia overall in Okinawa than other parts of Japan. So there's something going on there, you know. And mm -hmm. but you know the brain is uh, another organ. Uh, it's a, it's an organ that that gets clogged arteries. You know, a, a large part of uh, what we see in Alzheimer's disease is actually vascular in nature. Mm -hmm. So we've we've done a lot of studies, uh, published uh, several hundred papers on uh, dementia with, with the Honolulu the Kukini Honolulu Asia Aging Study here, which was. Again, uh, another one of these offshoot studies of the original Honolulu Heart Program. It spawned studies in right. diabetes, cancer, right. Alzheimer's, uh, other types of dementia. And we found that dementia uh, and Alzheimer's in, uh, in particular tends to be a mix. You get these plaques and tangles, right? right? And then you get vascular disease, mm -hmm. just, you know, from your, just like when you get it in your heart, it's in your brain. And then you get other lesions in the hippocampus and it's a combination of those lesions right. we see people we've done a lot of autopsy studies we've got over a thousand of them and we've seen uh, in a lot of brain pathology people with a lot of these alzheimer's plaques and tangles they have perfectly normal cognition and then we see people with a lot of these vascular small mini strokes um, they're perfectly fine but when you start combining the two so that's one way I think that we can minimize our risk is to really look at uh, trying to minimize the risk for vascular disease. So if you're minimizing your risk for heart disease, you're probably minimizing your risk for dementia. Right. And you're as reducing well. inflammation in general. Exactly, because they're both inflammation-driven right. diseases. So no, I won't get into it today, but I'll share with you the work of Dr. Bredesen from UCLA. Yes, very right. so, interesting um, work, and, and he's shown some reversal of early Alzheimer's. Well, I think we need to wrap this up. I could, I could talk to you for days, or I will talk to you for days. <laughs> and um, any last things you'd like to say about what you do, or Okinawans, or anything else to promote health, or whatever? I, I think that you know, the more we study, we're doing a lot of work uh, at the Department of Geriatric Medicine uh, at the University of Hawaii, we're at Kuikini Medical Center campus on the chronic diseases of aging, and I think that. Uh, there's a lot that can be done about aging. There's a lot that we can do to age more healthfully, and I think if you want to find a population that does it the best by most measures of aging, it's still the older Okinawans. So there's a lot, I think, mm -hmm. that we can still learn from studying these people. So I'm a great admirer of your work. And <laughs> well, I have to <laughs> <laughs> said, thank you. Oh, we'll talk pleasure. to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you very much.